Assalamu alaikum everyone. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. You're listening to Radio Sangam 107.9 FM. This is Dr. Henna. Here every Sunday morning. Start my shows at 10 o'clock. I'm here till 12. Talk about a different health topic every week. This is Radio Sangam 107.9 FM in Huddersfield and all the surrounding areas of West Yorkshire. We are on DAB, Manchester, Birmingham and Glasgow. Available as an app on your phone to listen to around the country, indeed, or across the world. Or you might be listening online on www.radiosangam.co.uk. However you are listening, good morning to all on this dreary, bit grey day here in uh, in the around the studio. So that's what the weather's like here. Hope it's a little bit warmer for you wherever you guys are. If you want to message me into the studio, any messages, any comments on anything we're talking about, any questions when we start into our topic today, which is on lung cancer, please message into the studio on 07444202155. As I said, today I'm going to be talking about lung cancer. If you listen to my shows, you'll know that I do talk about cancer quite uh, a bit so I keep coming back to it here and there the reason for that is because I think it's really important for people to just talk about it it's something that I feel uh, as a community we don't talk about enough indeed I know most of my listeners are within the South Asian community Um I think we don't talk about cancer enough within the Asian community so what I'm hoping to do today is be able to give you some information about lung cancer. I'm going to be talking to two different people. Unfortunately, the original plan was to get them into the studio. We can't do that because we are restricting people into the studio because of COVID-19 rules. Um, but I'll be having two conversations on the phone instead. So I'll be talking to a consultant in respiratory medicine uh, and I'll later on between 11 and 12 I'll be talking to a specialist nurse in lung cancer as well. So two really fantastic guests for you guys today um, to be giving you loads of information about cancer, about lung cancer. Um, the, it, lung cancer is the third most common cancer in the UK so I really think it is kind of important for people to know about it. It affects men and women. I know I do a lot of kind of women's shows, but this, uh, uh, and I don't know why, but um, I was talking to some people who thought that this was kind of primarily a man's disease. That's not really the case. We'll talk a little bit about that later as well. So before we get our first guest on, let's play a song. So this is um, from Passenger. It's called Let Her Go. I'll be back after this with hopefully our guest quite soon. So um, stay tuned, please. Burning low 
Only miss the sun when it starts to snow Only know you love her when you let her go Only know you've been high when you're feeling low Only hate the road when you're missing home Only know you love her when you let her go And you let her go This time check brought to you by Radio Sangam. 17th of January and it is 10:18 a.m. and you are listening to Radio Sangam. This is Radio Sangam. 
So, guys, I hopefully will be joined now by respiratory consultant physician, Dr. Peter Smith. So I'm hoping that he's on the other end of this line now. Good morning, Dr. Smith. Are you there? Good morning, Dr. Hannah. Good morning. Um, so for people that don't know, um, Dr. Smith was one of my supervisors when I was a brand new baby doctor. Um, so I've got to be on my best behaviour this morning. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. If you're just tuning in now, listeners, you're listening to Radio Sangam 107.9 FM. And my show this morning is all to do with lung cancer. So I thought it would be good to get um, somebody who had a lot more knowledge than me um, in to talk about it. So um, before we get into that, can you just give us like a, a little bit of an introduction, just a little bit about you, Dr. Smith, if that's okay? Uh, yeah, so I'm a consultant in respiratory medicine at Airedale Hospital. Um, I think my sort of respiratory career really started out um, through Leeds, training in Leeds, um, and went on to meet some quite inspirational um, consultants who were actually uh, leading the way in sort of research in lung cancer. Um, and the gentleman by the name of Matt Callister, who... Um, still sort of is leading the way in, in early diagnosis of lung cancer. Um, and that's kind of the focus, I think, of, of where we're trying to go. There's obviously developments in treatments um, and diagnosis and, and sort of finding the disease in the first place. But, but early diagnosis seems to be yeah. the target, I think, that will make most of the, um, uh, the inroads in, in improving care of the in the forthcoming years um, and that's what uh, sort of got me into lung cancer I've been doing lung cancer ever since that and that was in 2009 um, there's been some huge changes since then yeah uh, and uh, so, so I'll tell we'll you yeah I'll tell you the reason that I wanted to talk about it today so uh, this show is just like a health for health information really and cancer is one of the areas that I think people don't know enough about and people don't talk about it um, and when people don't talk enough about cancer I feel then that people are not aware of the signs and symptoms to look out for uh, and they may not know at what point they should be going to see their doctor um, there's a lot of uh, talking about cancer behind closed doors specifically within the Asian community Dr Smith I don't know if you're aware of that um, but it's very much of let's just not talk about this and for me um, giving people information just gives them that knowledge to then say actually something could be wrong here um, maybe I should be going to see the doctor or indeed just maybe even encourage people to talk about it so if uh, later on in the show I'm going to be joined by uh, Tracy who you know as well um, who's going yeah. to talk a little bit about how to support people that are actually going through that process so I, I've talked about cancer before on my shows and uh, so I've, I've kind of explained what cancer is. So um, the simplest kind of definition is abnormal cells that um, divide in an uncontrolled way uh, and they can happen at any point in part of the body. Um, sometimes they clump together forming a tumour that can then spread to other parts of the body. Um, and I have said that can uh, lung cancer is the third most common cancer. Before we kind of go into um, any sort of more detail, do you have any more kind of statistics or anything like that for for our listeners? Um, 
Yeah, and I, I, want, I want to completely agree with what you've said about not talking about cancer because I think people obviously have rumours, they, they hear about people who get cancer and particularly lung cancer and I see a lot of patients that come and see me who have early lung cancer expecting horrible news um, and actually their prognosis is a lot better than what they think and they're, and they're obviously talking or hearing rumours but not really gaining the correct information so talking about lung cancer and talking about cancer as a whole is absolutely vital to spreading the correct information um, to patients but also the correct information so that people are aware of symptoms that they should be really be looking out for um, when they can go and see their GP. Um, from a statistics point of view, um, you did mention earlier on that it's the third most common cancer in the UK um, above breast cancer and prostate cancer. Um, however, something that's, that's not really talked about is that the mortality, so the number of people that die every year of lung cancer is a lot higher than any other cancer. It is unfortunately the biggest killer. Um, and last year, uh, sorry, between uh, 2016 and 2017, there were um, 48,000 new cases of lung cancer diagnosed. That's about 130 a day. Um, and unfortunately, um, lung cancer causes about a fifth of all cancer deaths every year, with about 35,000 deaths every single year from lung cancer. Um, and, and we'll come on to it later about the signs and symptoms, but the reason for all this is people unfortunately present late, and it, it could well be because of they're not, they don't know about the symptoms that they, um, they need to present with, or they, they, they have a, a very subtle symptom that doesn't really bother them, or... You know, it, it's really complicated the, the whole how people get into the health uh, health service in the first place. Um, but the aim of I think of, of, of things in the future will be to try and get people as early as possible. And there are screening uh, trials going on at the minute to see whether we can screen for lung cancers and pick them up earlier, a little bit like. Um, breast cancers, cervical cancers and bowel cancers. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that a little bit later, but you've mentioned it now. So at the moment, um, I've talked about breast screening before. Um, so I've, I've talked mm. about the three different types of, of screening programs. So in the UK, we have cervical breast um, and bowel screening. And there is no national screening program for lung cancer, but that that is there's some, some work going on into there, isn't there? So... Um, there as you, is. Yeah, as you've mentioned it, can you tell me a little bit more about it? Because I don't know um, much about that myself, so that's quite interesting for our listeners as well. Yeah, so the the, the biggest thing about, a screen, about screening is it needs to be easily accessible. It needs to pick up good rates of cancers, um, and it needs to be simple and not harmful. And one of the biggest problems... Uh, with lung cancer is, is you need to be able to get inside people's chest almost to, into their lungs and plain chest x-ray um, is a good tool to di potentially diagnose lung cancer as a first line investigation but we've, we've found that from a screening perspective it's not good enough at picking up early lung cancers so we're, so we're having to use um, CT scanning um, which uh, is, is a dose of radiation but from a risk perspective is much less uh, as time's going forward with regards to the amount of radiation that those x-rays um, expose the body to. There have been a number of trials, both in America and the UK, 
looking into screening and, and how best to do the screening. And one of the biggest issues is who you target mm. as your as your um, group of patients to um, to screen. And work is currently undergone being under, undergone at the minute to try and find out who are the best people um, or, or target groups um, to screen. Because the, one of the biggest problems with screening is you can pick up sort of false positives of the test, so you can get an abnormal CT scan. It doesn't mean you've got cancer, but you've got something else that needs a whole host of tests or investigations. And you're exposing people to those kind of investigations which are risky, that don't have lung cancer, um, and end up actually being exposed to some risk that they wouldn't have done had they not been screened. So it's a very tricky um, situation at the minute for lung cancer screening because of this problem. But um, yeah. so work is being done currently uh, to try and answer the question of who we should screen, when we should screen, um, and exactly how we should screen. So people, if you're just tuning in now, this is Radio Sangam 107.9 FM. I'm Dr. Henna. I'm here every Sunday morning to talk about different health things every week. And this morning I'm joined by Dr. Peter Smith, who is a consultant in respiratory, which means lung medicine. And we're talking about lung cancer. And I think the next question I'm about to ask is one of the most important ones for you listeners um, to be aware of. So can you go through um, uh, what are the signs and symptoms that could be a lung cancer and at what point would you tell people that if you have any of these you really should be booking an appointment with your GP? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> one of the problems with um, the lungs is there aren't very many sensors in them to detect problems. Um, there are cough sensors but there are no pain sensors um, and therefore lung cancers don't tend to present with obvious signs. The biggest sign that people have is a persistent or a change in a cough, and particularly a persistent cough that lasts more than three weeks. Um, and, and obviously in the current climate, people are being told obviously a persistent cough could well be due to coronavirus. Mm. Um, and so we're in a difficult situation where do you, do you bother with having investigations However, I would still say that, that if you have a persistent or a change in a cough of three weeks or more, that is the point you should be going to your GP and asking, you know, I, I, I need a chest x-ray. Yeah. Um, that's a great, a great initial investigation because um, that picks up the vast majority of lung cancers on a plain chest x-ray. And it's quite simple and easy to do and there's no real waiting list um, for those kind of things. Um, the other symptoms can include shortness of breath. Um, or in people who've already got lung disease or shortness of breath, a change in that shortness of breath. So it might be that you're unable to do a particular hill or a particular activity that you've been able to do for many months or years, but now you're unable to do it. Um, another one can be um, coughing up blood. Um, it's not the commonest uh, symptom of lung cancer, but one that, that people are sometimes more aware of that that could be a cause of lung cancer. Um, sometimes chest or shoulder pain, recurrent chest infections, and then more vague symptoms such as loss of appetite, weight loss, or perhaps fatigue, um, which again, with in the current um, coronavirus, anyone with coronavirus probably has quite a number of those symptoms. But I'd still encourage that them, if they have those symptoms persisting, that they should, should approach their GP um, for a chest x-ray. 
Yep. So let me just tell our listeners the process. So if you um, book an appointment with uh, a doctor in general practice, somebody like me, um, so we yep. have kind of criteria that we look at. So if somebody says that they've had this cough going on for a while or some of these are the symptoms, um, we would take you seriously and we would we would send you to the hospital to get these investigations done. Um, it's all been done in a safe way. A lot of people are very scared at the moment. So I'm talking to people that say, I don't want to. I don't want to go to the hospital because of the COVID situation. But people, um, certainly within our area, I'm sure it's the same in other trusts. Um, they're limiting the number of people that can go to a department at any one time. So um, one of the main messages today is if you do have worrying symptoms, please don't leave it. Um, please book an appointment with your GP and discuss your concerns with them because you may need investigations. Now, the most likely thing is that it won't be a cancer, but if it is, then the quicker that we know about it, um, the the higher your chances are of survival. And that's um, it's it's a very harsh way to put it, but it's that's just kind of how true true it is. Um, um, do we know what causes lung cancer, Doctor Smith? Can we give? some information about that or uh, your risk factors um, should we say yeah um, the the main cause of, of lung cancer it is a preventable um, condition in around about 7 to 8 out of um, all cases 7 to 8 out of 10 cases um, the cause is smoking um, unfortunately smoking has quite a lot of cancer causing chemicals in it which mm. damage the cells in the lung and that causes them to uh, grow in the way that you described earlier on, that they, they're out of control from the normal control processes that cells have. Um, so smoking is, is by far the biggest uh, cause of lung cancer. Um, however, there are other risk factors, such as exposure to certain chemicals in the workplace, and people may, may know of asbestos, um, but other chemicals, things like um, coal and coal smoke, um, silica dust, so people like um, stonemasons um, can be exposed to silica dust. Um, risk factors also include um, family history of lung cancer, particularly in people who've had first-degree relatives, so parents or siblings with, with lung cancer. And it's not particularly um, prevalent in our area, um, but exposure to radon gas is thought to cause a number of lung cancers each year. Radon gas is produced um, from radioactive, very low levels of radioactive um, chemicals in rocks and soils um, and can build up in houses. Um, it's more common in southwest England where there's much higher levels of granite where uranium salts are higher in the, in the ground. So, but again, it's, a, it's one of the lower levels. So it's not always smoking. So if people have symptoms um, in context with, so the symptoms we described earlier on, in context with a non-smoker, they should still get treatment or should, should still get investigation because there is still a risk that, that they could have lung cancer. So I guess one of the important things that you just said there is that 70, because that's the kind of figures that I've read as well, 70-ish um, percent of lung cancers are caused by smoking, um, which is a preventable risk factor if you are a smoker um, and you would like to think about 
quitting smoking or stopping smoking and you want some advice, you can speak to your GP. We will be able to give you some advice and we can tell you about stopping smoking services. If you look on the NHS website, so that's nhs.uk, there's lots of information on there and there's lots of local services. And I know um, within certain services, they're doing them remotely at the moment because of not being able to meet up with people in person. But there, there are services there. If you try to stop smoking with support from other people, you are much more likely to stop. Um, so I just wanted to kind of mention that in there as well. So there's no kind of um, blaming here uh, because people smoke for lots of different reasons. But I know that there are people that I speak to quite frequently that say, I really want to stop. Um, I'm just finding it really difficult. So please let, uh, get contact your um, your doctors. We we, sh- we hopefully should be able to, in your area, should be able to give you some advice on where to go for, th- for that sort of help. Um, so um, obviously we're not going to go into it in too much detail because uh, different lung cancers have a different treatment options, obviously, depending on where it is and what it is. But can you just talk kind of a little bit about what people would expect if they got this diagnosis of lung cancer? What sort of treatment options are available um, to people? Yeah, as you said, it's it's really complicated. Um, and as, as time goes on with new, newer treatments, it's becoming even more complicated in, in treatment options, which is a great thing because it's giving us more tools in our toolbox to treat, to treat lung cancer. Um, I think the main thing to say is, is in, in the process of investigation and diagnosis, you go through a process of what's called staging. And, and what that does is um, it tells us where your cancer is, what type of cancer it is, um, and tells us whether it's early or late type of cancer, um, if it's spread places. And, and it, that really dictates what uh, treatment you get. So if you have early treat, uh, early cancer, the, the, the best treatment um, that we offer is surgery. Um, and that is to take away all the cancer with an operation and leave you basically cancer-free. Um, and we try and offer that for all early cancers. And that can involve taking part of one of the lungs out or even a whole lung uh, on one side, uh, leaving you with the other lung on the other side. And people can live without um, too many problems uh, with that kind of treatment. Um, if surgery is offered, sometimes that's seen as a tr- as a treatment, but also a test because you get the results of the surgery afterwards, and you may need other treatments afterwards, such as radiotherapy or chemotherapy. Um, and chemotherapy and radiotherapy are the other treatments that are offered if we can't offer surgery. So surgery is ideal for the, for the early lung cancers. If it's a lung cancer that can't be treated with surgery, there can still be curative treatments offered in the form of certain types of radiotherapy. And radiotherapy is where um, high-dose x-rays are focused at cancer, and the, the aim of it is to kill off those cancer cells by dan- damaging them um, whilst protecting the cells around them as best as possible. Um, so that, that's the mainstay for sort of curative forms. However, even for the non-curative forms, there are more and more uh, treatments coming online that are targeted drugs. So they target cancer, um, the mutations, so the changes in the cell's uh, makeup and how they work 
to stop them from growing and sometimes to, to help them shrink. And there's also uh, treatments called immunotherapy, so drugs that come into the body and, and, and basically help your immune system target the cancer cells um, and keep them under control. So this has had quite a big impact on patients who have non-curable lung cancers in that it improves their quality of life but also improves their survival. So it's not always that if people have a diagnosis that's of uncurable cancer, yeah. that um, that they should see it as, you know, um, that there is not really any options because as time's going on, we're getting more and more treatments. So listeners, if you're just tuning in now, this is Dr. Henna on Radio Sangha 107.9 FM. Uh, we're talking about lung cancer today. I'm joined by my uh, old supervisor. I think it was about 10 years ago, uh, Dr. Smith. Um, if you want to message into the studio, we've had a couple of messages, uh, 07444202155. Um, I was reading um, before you mentioned how important it is for people, if they do have these symptoms, to go and see someone very quickly because early diagnosis is the kind of mainstay of the messages that we as health professionals want to give out and um, I was reading a little bit about how important it is so I won't go into it too much but when when we talk about cancer we talk about different stages so stage one is the earlier stage where um, the cancer hasn't gone anywhere and then you go with lung cancers you go up to one two three four um, so stage one, and we talk about five-year survival. So what that means, listeners, is people that would be expected to still be alive in five years' time. So we go from a stage one cancer, it's about 55%, so 55 out of 100 people. Um, so over half of people, we would still expect to be alive um, in five years' time. And then, But when we get to stage four, that drops hugely um, to 5% um, and then stage 2 was 35 and stage 3 was 15. Th these are just the kind of figures that I've read. So that's how important it is for people um, if you are getting symptoms that could be a cancer that you really want to go and get a, a diagnosis uh, and start treatment um, as soon as possible. We we don't want people to be sat at home with these worrying symptoms. Um, the reason that I've started talking about cancer, I've talked about cancer a few times before on my shows, and I'll keep coming back and talking about it. Especially through COVID-19, we've seen a reduce in numbers of people that are actually coming forward to their GPs with these symptoms. So that means that um, the actual number of referrals that have gone into hospital have reduced. So our worry or my worry or our worry is then that there are potentially people sat at home with symptoms of cancer that is not diagnosed. So it's really important um, that we ca we carry on we carry on talking about it. That that you talk about it with your doctor. That even if um, even if you think oh I'm not really sure. I've got this symptom, it's probably nothing. It's still worth talking to your doctor about because either we can provide you that reassurance or we can tell you, you know, actually I'm worried as well, so maybe we do need some investigations done here. Talking about um, the last few months uh, as a doctor in respiratory medicine, what's it been like for you, uh, Dr. Smith, the, pa the past few months? I mean... It's, it's kind of hard to tell people, isn't it, if you, they don't know what it's like being a doctor. But can you just tell our listeners a little bit about what, how different yeah. life has been for us doctors? Um, I think 
our normal sort of working practices have completely been turned on their head. Um, so I just wanted to say that, that whilst we're on the topic of cancer, mm. all cancer services are open yeah. and fully functioning. There's nothing that we're not doing. So all our clinics, our testing, scanning, everything else is completely open. So if you think, oh, I won't bother, people are busy, that aspect of all our services is completely open. So please come along uh, to your GP, ask for x-rays, and if they feel that you need referral, absolutely they'll, they'll refer you forwards based on, on, on their um, expert opinions. Um, when it comes to COVID, yeah, everything has been turned on its head and um, how we worked before is not how we're now working. So uh, we've got colleagues who are shielded at home, helping us with telephone sort of appointments and clinics, uh, whilst the rest of us are, are looking after the patients on the ward. And what we've seen, I think, over the, the last 12 months um, is a change in uh, um, and how, you know, how, how we're approaching the numbers. So we're in the first wave, back in April, March, April of last year, we were struggling to both get staff to look after patients, but also for space. And the NHS, and I suspect this is the case across the whole of the country, has completely changed and adapted. And the capacity for COVID patients has increased massively, including on intensive care and including in special uh, areas where we're looking after patients having ventilation but aren't necessarily on intensive care, on respiratory wards. So those numbers have increased massively. However, our staff have not. So our specialist nurses on intensive care, uh, specialist nurses on the respiratory wards, um, have not increased. So we're, we're still having the same numbers and the number of patients, and you've probably heard on the news that the number of patients in hospital um, at the moment are, is higher than it was within that first wave. Yeah. So, you know, the staff are tired, um, but still, you know, absolutely hammering through as much work as, as people can possibly do. Um, and it isn't just respiratory that's covering uh, these patients. We've got a lot of help from our uh, other medical specialties uh, and intensivists uh, to to look after these patients. But uh, yeah, it's I'm hoping that the vaccination uh, programs rolled out as quickly as it possibly can, and we can get rates down as possible as quickly as possible. Okay, so um, I'm glad that you mentioned the vaccine. It's something that I've talked about quite a bit, as you could imagine. A um, yeah. lot of conspiracy theories about the vaccine. Um, I'm very open in talking about how ridiculous it is. Um, some of the things that I've seen flying around on things like WhatsApp. Um, so uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The vaccine cannot change your DNA. Um, there is no microchip or anything like that within the vaccine. You will have started seeing now a lot of doctors and nurses um, within the NHS are, are getting the vaccine and a lot of people are coming out on social media and things like that and telling people that they've had it. And hopefully that will, I hope, um, encourage other people um, to get the vaccine if you can see your trusted healthcare professionals getting it. I can't imagine what it would feel like for us right now if we didn't have the vaccine because it gives us that little bit of hope i think um i just can't think uh, dr smith how how it would feel right now because it's already quite overwhelming to then yeah. think like okay at least like well for me it feels like at least there's some kind of hope or a bit of light at the end of the tunnel how are you coping um yourself uh just with everything have have you 
how do you cope with them? Um, I always ask people how they're coping, like just generally in their day-to-day life, you know, with having things being so different now. Have you had yeah, to stop doing yeah. some of the things that you do that you enjoy? And how, how are you kind of battling your way through that? Um, yes and no. I mean, personally, I have a, a wonderful team of respiratory um, doctors and nurses and uh, allied health professionals who I work with at Airedale, and, and they're just absolutely fantastic, really supportive. And, and that, I think, is key to we need to look after each other. Um, when it comes to other personal things, I, I, I spend a lot of my time running, racing, and doing endurance racing. Um, and uh, basically, all the the races that I was planning to do, I, I treat them as holidays. Um, and all the races that I was planning to do have all basically been cancelled. Um, but I've got good local friendship network, um, particularly of one one person who who we spend a lot of time going out onto the moors running um the amount that we can do is limited obviously where we how far we can go has been limited and who we can go with has been limited um but that has been key to to just getting out getting some fresh air getting some exercise um uh, to sort of offset all the stresses and strains of of what coronavirus is is doing to us yeah and um uh, you mentioned something really important there where you said support from other people and just kind of talking to people about how you're feeling. So uh, even if yeah. I know we can't do that um, with people that we might not normally do that with, but uh, you can ring people, you can talk to people on the phone, you can go out for walks. Within, um, within the lockdown, you are actually allowed to meet up with one other person outdoors for like exercise if you're socially distanced so that's something that i would encourage people to do uh, uh, and some people don't know that you're allowed to do that so that's a that's one thing that's was really important to mention there dr smith thank you um for joining me this morning it's been really useful um on behalf of myself on behalf of radio sangham it uh, i really appreciate you taking the time out of your sunday morning to speak to us about the really important topic of lung cancer and from a personal point of view it's just been really nice to just have a chat with you because i've not i don't think i've seen you for a a number of years now um so it's it's uh, good to kind of catch up and giving information and we had a few messages i just tell you before you get off the phone we had a few messages that came into the studio saying thank you for this really important information and people that agree um that we don't talk about cancer enough so i'm going to play um tom walker leave a light on now listeners and uh, we'll say goodbye to dr smith and hopefully i should catch up with you soon dr smith Thank you for inviting me on. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Guiding like a lighthouse It's a place where you'll be safe to feel like grace Cause we've all made mistakes If you've lost your way yeah, I will leave the light on
than what's been on your mind Lately you've been searching for a darker place to hide That's alright But if you carry on abusing you'll be robbed from us I refuse to lose another friend to drugs Just come home Don't let go If you look into the distance There's a house upon the hill Guiding like a lighthouse It's a place where you'll be safe to feel our grace Cause we've all made mistakes If you've lost your way I will leave the light on Radio Sangam 107.9 FM. This is Dr. Henna on Radio Sangam. I've been talking about lung cancer and that's the topic of the show today. The reason for talking about it is because it's the third most common cancer in the UK and actually the when you look at the number of deaths from cancer, it is the number one. Um, it's something that I really feel is not talked about enough, especially within our Asian community and the black community as well. So there's lots of evidence that shows that um, with talking about some certain types of health um, within the Asian and black community, we kind of hide away a little bit from it, especially talking about cancer. So it is something that's really important to discuss. So when we look um, within a one-year period recently, so the latest figures that I've got from 2017 within the UK, 24, 000, around about 24,900 men and 23,100 23, women were diagnosed with um, lung cancer within a one-year period. So those are like huge numbers that we are talking about. And so for I really feel that it is important for people to know about it to know about the signs and symptoms of lung cancer. So if you do experience any of those, you you know at what point you should be going to speak to your doctor. So I was joined by Dr. Peter Smith and he is a respiratory consultant um, or a physician, same thing. Um, and he was talking about all the signs and symptoms of lung cancer and some other important things to do with lung cancer as well. If you missed it and you'd like to listen back to it, it will be available as a recording on the Radio Sangam website, www.radiosangam.co.uk and will also be available shortly um, on Spotify and iTunes as part of the podcast for today's show. 
Um, I'll also be talking after 11 o'clock to uh, a wonderful lady called Tracy. She, she is a specialist nurse uh, with lung cancer. So we'll be talking to her a little bit about lung cancer from another perspective. So thinking about it from the patient perspective and what kind of advice we can give or, or what sort of things to think about when people are diagnosed with cancer and can she give us a little bit of advice on how to support people that are going through cancer as well. If you want to message into the studio, if you've got any comments or you want to tell me anything, it's 07 Thank you for the couple of people that have messaged in within the last few minutes just to say that you, they found it really useful information. Um, I I come on here and talk about things um, because I want I want people to know the things that I think are important as a doctor. And sometimes I get a bit sidetracked with thinking that people know all this stuff but you know sometimes we don't um sometimes people don't know about things that we think people will know um so it's just important to keep mentioning things again and again like cancer uh, in the hope that it will give be giving some uh, information to you guys that i hope that you find really useful one last point to add before um, we go into a song and then news and ads I'll be back after 11 is that Dr Smith and I have both had the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine we both feel absolutely fine um, and it's just so you know uh, hopefully when you see your healthcare professionals getting it it might give you a little bit of um, uh, reassurance this is uh, Ajit Singh and this is Jenna Maria and after this song I will be back after 11 after the news after the ads and we'll be carrying on talking about lung cancer and I'll be joined by a nurse Tracy over the phone so uh, stay tuned keep it locked it's Radio Center 107.9 FM this is Dr Henna
Sunny spells and perhaps one or two showers. The showers more likely in the west of the UK, especially as the wind strengthens later. Max temperatures during the day, 6 degrees. Breezy tonight with western areas seeing occasional light rain. Uh, with some frost and minimum temperatures of minus 2. Radio Sangam Weather needs a sponsor. If you want to hear your company on the airwaves, contact us on 01484 549 947. tuned in to Radio Sangam 107.9 FM. This is Dr. Henna. I'm here every Sunday morning doing a health show, different health shows every week. Sometimes we do a ladies hour where we concentrate solely on women's health and women's issues, but today it is a show for everyone. Radio Sangam is on 107.9 FM in Huddersfield and all the surrounding areas of West Yorkshire, DAB, Manchester, Birmingham, Glasgow and Cambridge. We're on an app on your phone, the Radio Sangam app, and you can listen to us online from anywhere across the world, www.radiosangam.co.uk. I know we have listeners from across the world because this morning we've had messages from Dubai, from um, Norway and where was the other Pakistan and India so we've got we are getting some um, international listeners thank you if you're making the effort to listen to us from across the world and someone from Sweden messaged in this morning as well important topic that I am talking about today if you want to take part in the conversation or you want to tell me anything or ask any questions it's 07444202155 this morning I've been talking about lung cancer between 10 and 11 I had on air with me Dr Peter Smith who is a fantastic respiratory physician consultant and I worked with him I was his junior uh, 2011 so 10 years ago I think so that's how long I've known Dr Smith for Uh, I invited him on to speak about lung cancer signs and symptoms and when to see your doctor we talked a little bit about life through Covid as well because how could we not talk about that right now we reminded everyone uh, how positive we feel about the vaccine. And again, you know, I've talked about that before. Um, if you've got any questions about lung cancer, about the vaccine, if you want to tell me something, even if it's anonymous, message me 07444202155. There are some people that sometimes suggest show topics to me. So I'll tell you a bit later how you can actually contact me personally rather than through the show. <laughs> (laughs) 
So this um, hour, I'm going to be joined by Tracy Hiley. She is an advanced lung cancer nurse specialist. She is fantastic. She's agreed to come and just have a little chat with me about supporting people through cancer and a little bit about her role um, and what she's doing. So I'm going to get her on with me. Um, before she, she comes on, we'll play a little song. This is Chandelier by Sia. Um, it's just a song that I like. So I will be back shortly after this. Hopefully I'll be joined by Tracy. Stay tuned. Um, really important topic today, lung cancer. Don't get hurt, can't feel anything. When will I learn? I push it down, I push it down. Some call phones blowing up Bring on my doorbell I feel the love, feel the love
है कहानी गपशप की टोलियाँ एक धुप में बांधा इसमें सारा जहाँ नई है धड़कन नई है बोलिया दिलों को मिलाने वाला रेडियो संगम रेडियो संगम दिलों को मिलाने वाला रेडियो संगम रेडियो संगम रेडियो संगम 107.9 FM this is Radio Sangam 107.9 FM. You're listening to Dr. Henna. Uh, I'm hoping that I'm joined over the phone now by Tracy. Are you there, Tracy? Good morning. Can you hear me all right? We can. We can hear you fine. It's fantastic. Thank That's you. That's good. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, Tracy. So, um, uh, can before we even go any further, can you tell our listeners a little bit of an introduction about you? I can indeed, yeah. So I work up at the Bradford Royal Infirmary, um, based at both Bradford Hospitals, and I'm one of the uh, lung cancer nurse specialists there. I work with a team of another four nurses, and we try and support mainly um, all patients with either a suspected lung cancer uh, and then a diagnosed lung cancer throughout their treatments and um, right through uh, all stages of their cancer diagnosis. Fantastic. People, if you're just tuning in now, this is Dr. Henna on Radio Sangam 107.9 FM. If you want to message into the studio while I'm having this chat, it's 07444202155. This show this morning is about lung cancer. The reason that I'm talking about lung cancer this morning, first of all, um, I talk about cancer quite a bit on my shows. I don't think it's something that's talked about enough within the community. I don't think it's talked about enough within the Asian community. Predominantly, our listeners, Tracy, are um, Asian listeners. Uh, it's an Asian station, but we get listeners from across the board. Um, I, I thought it was really important to talk about cancer in the sense of uh, signs and symptoms to look out for. So. Uh, in the first hour, I talked to Dr. Smith, who I know you've worked with before. Um, so Dr. Sp- yeah. Peter Smith joined me um, and we gave people some information about the prevalence of lung cancer, the signs and symptoms to look out for and kind of when they should be going to see your doctor. What we didn't talk about is how overwhelming it can feel when you get a diagnosis of lung cancer, not only the person but the family and friends as well it's it's completely overwhelming can you just talk a little bit about that and then and maybe so maybe tell us a little bit about kind of what what support you you do offer um yeah tracy i'll leave it i'll leave it with you okay thank you yeah of course it's overwhelming yeah i mean unfortunately the word cancer still has so many connotations and people are very scared when they hear the word cancer and it's a little bit of a shame really because lots and lots of cancers are curable diseases now Um, but I think whatever happens it's going to take a long long time before the fear of that word alone without anything else Uh, you know it just is it's impossible for people not to feel very, very scared when they hear that word. And that's the problem, isn't it? You know, uh, people don't realise that cancers can be cured uh, or can be treatable. But obviously, you're, you're exactly right. That word, um, it becomes very overwhelming once people have heard it. Um, and you're right, it's the family or friends or significant others. Everybody's affected and all quite differently. And that's that's the part of our job, Um that we try and do 
to the best of our ability, supporting each and every one of those people. So yes, the patient's at the heart of our care, always. But by supporting those around them as well, supporting the relatives, friends, children, whoever they may be of that patient is also a way of supporting that patient and ensuring that they're supported and feel like they've got somebody to turn to, definitely. What sort of support do you give, Tracy? So initially, I mean, we try and be in contact almost the first person uh, we get the referral through initially for the patient and we try and forge relationships through um, initially when they are um, coming into the hospital for initial tests and investigations and almost becoming a friendly face or a voice more so in in this pandemic, but I'll talk a bit more about that, gaining their trust ensuring they've got a contact number, somebody they can turn to if they need to ask any question, um, you know, however silly that question may be. It's very important they have somebody. They do see quite a few doctors through the process, as you you will probably know yourself, but they'll see the respiratory physician like uh, Dr Smith, who's just been on, and they may go to an oncologist or a surgeon. They'll have um, radiologists. They'll have a lot of doctors in that process, but we'll be there throughout. So hopefully where they... Uh, you know, the face of of knowing they've got somebody to turn to, of knowing they've got a number to call if they need us. Can I tell you um, one reason that I didn't discuss with you, actually, of why I wanted you to come and speak to us? Because yes. um, research shows that uh, a lot of people, even hearing that word, they just completely shut off and they don't want to talk to anyone. And in fact, yeah. what sometimes happens is then people start refusing help that they're offered. Um, and yeah. what we really want people to do is to realise that there is support and there is help available. And actually talking to somebody, even if medically we can't make a difference, just talking to somebody can help you feel better. And when you feel better, your mood is better. And that's something that I guess... We don't talk about enough within, I mean, when you've got a doctor consultation and we're talking about something, yeah. we do ask them, but sometimes you just don't have the time to offer them that kind of support no. that people really need. No. And yeah. I really would encourage people um, to to say yes to support that's offered because it can really help. And we get a lot of people within the Asian community and within the black community yeah. as well that just they they refuse support that's offered because they think i don't need yeah. i don't need that i i I'm, yeah. i don't want to talk about you know what's going on and then yeah. people people can be left lonely and very alone and because it is a really lonely time tracy isn't it um is that something that people yeah. say to you how they feel when they get this diagnosis yeah i mean i i think the key to taking the fear out of this and you can take the fear out of it because at the end of the day there's a few abnormal cells you know cancer is such a scary word but there may be a few abnormal cells and by taking the fear out of it people can try and then absorb the information and go on and get treatment it's about people understanding and for us it's about trying to aim our information and advice and support at whatever level people want and what they require it's making sure 
that they actually understand what's going on in, in, in our words, not in medical terms, not in, you know, using fancy terms that they may not understand. And you're right, you have, I do clinics myself and you have a limited time within that clinic mm. and then you've got other patients to go on to. So there's so much you can give, so much information you can give. But then that's why we say you come back to us. What bits you don't understand, come back to us. Let that information sink in and then come back with the bits you don't understand. Because the fear is not understanding. Even even if people, you know, can't be cured from a cancer, knowing they can have treatment and they can live with cancer, they can live a good length of time with it and they can live well with it at times as well. And it's making them understand that and, and sometimes that takes the fear out of it. But not knowing. People sometimes say, I rang I rang a gentleman this week. And the first thing he said to me, as I picked, as I said, you know, introduced myself and said hello, was like, if you've got me bad news, I don't want to know, don't want to know nothing. And yeah. that was the first thing he said to me. Yeah. So that makes it very awkward where you go forward with that. But working very steadily with him, I, you know, I, he was he was really scared. He didn't want to hear any bad news or what what might be perceived as bad news. But working through that consultation with him, eventually I could tell him what I needed because he gave me permission, um, and it was. It, it, the fear was taken out of it for me. I wasn't as scared at the end, even being given the information, as it was at the beginning, because the unknown is more scary and lonely, like you say. You know, you make up all sorts in your head, you know, if you if you don't know those facts and figures and you don't know um, what might happen next, you know. Uh, so that's, that's the way we try and support people. And also, as I say, with their friend, fr- uh, friends and family, People sometimes want to know bits of information that the other family member doesn't. Sometimes the patient doesn't want to know straight away and the family member might. So you filter it out and you make sure that people, you know, with the patient's permission, of course, to talk to family members, you speak to each people on different levels because they want different bits of information. And that's the way we try and do that, you know. So I've even um, encountered scenarios where even before diagnosis so it, we're talking about even at symptom level so they don't come forward yeah. to see their doctor or to come and speak to somebody like me in general practice with their yeah. symptoms because there's they're so scared or worried even at that point that it actually stops people from even coming forward and getting that diagnosis so I've talked about cancer screening before and I've talked about the oh, yeah. importance of um, the importance of going to see a doctor with worrying symptoms because early diagnosis is key and these are the messages that I you know we try to give out and yes there are people you know where they will be in a stage where it's incurable but the earlier yeah. that we can find a cancer if there is a cancer there the better how important is it Tracy um, for people, you know, to just come forward with their symptoms if they've got worrying symptoms, just how important is it? Yeah, it's obviously crucial. And you're right, early diagnosis is the key um, to ensuring that we can cure more and more lung cancers. And from a professional point of view, we're working on getting uh, patients what we call pathway. That means the whole way through uh, diagnosis and treatment. We're trying to get that shortened we're trying to you know ensure that patients get to treatment as quickly as possible and um, but it's very important that patients do present to the gps initially but that fear you're right it's there because oh, it might go away you know and as i know you spoke about with dr smith mm. a cough a lot of our patients are smokers as you know yeah. and a cough is a 
chronic cough is a normal thing for a smoker. Shortness of breath might be too. So it's just when things are a little bit different, when things, and, and you know what's, you usually, chest x-rays are very, very good at diagnosing lung cancers in a lot of cases, a very simple, non-invasive test. You know, it's very wise to just get one of those and try and rule things out if need be. And I'm glad you mentioned the lung cancer screening because it's something we've not had in lung cancer, well, we've still not got really, um, but in lots of other areas such as cervical uh, screening and the bowel screening, um, we, you know, we pick up early diagnosis that way. So the pilot that I was involved with myself, actually, in Bradford that we did, um, picked up some cancers, and I know uh, the GP practice I think you were in at the time was involved with it as well. Mm. Um, and now we're rolling that out, hopefully in the spring, hopefully COVID won't have stopped it. For another three years, it was a six-month pilot before, and we're going to, I think, three between three and five years now. So if you are invited along to a cancer screening uh, pilot then please do go along because it's a, a CT, a very quick CT that takes literally a few seconds, it's non-invasive it doesn't hurt and it picks up very early lung nodules and um, these are the ca- things that go on to the cancers and we can cure um, as I said turning a blind eye to it is probably the worst thing you can do isn't it you know yeah so this is all Um, kind of um for me uh, well for medical professionals it's all kind of new and hopefully kind of exciting um uh, things happening now with this lung speed because this is all very new uh, uh, we it's not rolled out to many parts of the country yet so it's something to keep no. uh, keep an eye on isn't it and see yeah. see where this goes and hopefully it can lead to uh, uh, the, the overall aim when you have cancer screening programs is to save save lives so hopefully it it can it can lead to that um uh, just uh, a side question um, which I didn't say that I was going to ask you, um, but um, you know we talked about family and friends uh, and how yeah. how important it is to kind of recognise their distress as well. But sometimes I get yeah. asked I get asked questions from family and friends about how it, they might they might be feeling okay, but they just want to know how they can support the person who's been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Um. What would you say to them? Or you know, can you just give a couple of a couple of tips? Or not even tips, really. Just just what is it? What what do you think is important in that scenario? Um. For people to know. Yeah. Well, it's difficult because initially people are going to be quite distressed but then they'll have plenty of normal days and plenty of times when they are normal and it's okay to let them be normal and let them do normal things and it's not like you don't need to be thinking all all the time that they're upset and you need to speak to them but they as family will know their relatives more than us of course you know and they will know and recognize when they're just not feeling right and just let them know that a it's okay to talk about anything at any time but b it's okay also for them to be a bit more inward with the thoughts on time they may just want to process that themselves and that's okay too and just by being there you know you often want to try and do something if you feel as a relative or a friend I want to do something. What can I do in this? And you feel a bit useless and a bit hopeless. And just to know that it's okay to feel that way, do you know what I mean? Mm. And just to know that it's okay to um, not know what to say. And then that's why they can ring us and ask us. I think one of the more difficult things, one of the hardest things that I find is that sometimes 
and this is on the initial end that come, relatives don't want us to tell that patient because they think they're protecting them. Yeah. They say, oh, don't tell me mum or don't tell me dad or don't tell whoever that this is, um, you know, this um, is... I don't want them to know they may have cancer. I don't want them to know that, you know, there's something wrong. Can you just not tell them? But I always try and very carefully and tactfully say to them, it is not a good idea not to let them know. You cannot consent somebody for any treatment, for any biopsies, even if it's for supportive care such as Macmillan nurses. You cannot tell these people. You cannot say to them, you know, that they... um, they cannot have treatment, it precludes them from treatment um, if you cannot um, tell that person because they have to know what's going on. They have to consent and you are not protecting them. They will know they are unwell. They will know they don't feel the same, that something's going on. And again, that fear of not knowing and not having the knowledge and not having the understanding will be worse than knowing without doubt. Yeah, I totally so, agree with you on that. And I've heard that a few times yeah. myself as well, Tracy. Yeah. Um, you know, a number of times actually over the years where they, where people will say, "I don't want my family member to know." And uh, I get, I guess, at that point, it's about sitting down and having these uh, quite difficult conversations with people. Um, yeah. I've uh, I've thought of a couple of things as well um, that I think can help. Uh, you know, a, a family member or a friend supports somebody who's going through a cancer. Um, I do think that there isn't a single way to support someone um, and each story yeah. is unique. But I think one thing that people have said to me that really helps them is just checking in with people really often, even if it's a, a text message. And even if people don't expect to reply, just sending a message and saying, look, I'm thinking of you. Um, and that might just be enough, uh, even, even you know, not expecting a reply, but just saying, look, I'm here if you need me and I'm thinking of you. A lot of people um, uh, find it really appreciate, uh, really helpful when somebody just buys a few essential items for them, like bread, milk, toilet roll, if somebody can't get to the shops, especially nowadays with people shielding and things like that. So little things like that might be really helpful. Um, and handwritten um, cards and notes are always really appreciated, I think, from the patients that I've spoken to. So it's really nice when somebody makes an effort to send a card, a letter. It doesn't have to be something expensive, um, you know, a little candle or something like that. Just those little things can make a huge difference, can't they, Tracy? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And as I say, they will know their friend or relative the best and which way they'll respond, you know, whether that is... Well, it's difficult to say regular visits now at the minute, isn't it, with COVID? Yeah. But, and it has actually made things a lot more difficult, I suppose, in people being supported, hasn't it? But whatever they need, whatever they feel is best for them, then that's right. There's, as I said, there's no right and wrong, and you're exactly right. You can't, you can't prescribe what's best for everybody in general uh, because people have, some people want leaving alone, and that's the right thing to do as well, mm. you know, even if it's for a short length of time. But then it's right to go in. To, to support them talking about when you COVID, know they're ready for that Tracy, yeah. talking about COVID I mean it's just been a completely different life hasn't it um, how, yeah, how have things yeah. been how have things been for you through COVID-19, how, how different has it all been yeah, well it's not been great at all i must admit as you say getting a cancer diagnosis and people going through treatment is very difficult anyway to me it's felt like it's made it very difficult there's lots of things i mean 
one of the main things we do is assess people's, we call it performance status. It means how well they are. Are patients well enough to have tests and to have treatment? And doing that on a telephone is, well, almost impossible. And, you know, um, also... You know, you pick up on so many non-verbals. You learn about good communication skills. And the trouble is, when you are not sat with a patient, you can't see if somebody's looking upset. You know, I ring a patient potentially on the telephone and they might be on loudspeaker with three, four people behind. I can't see your sister in the corner is getting upset. I can't tell whether it's enough information becoming to you can tell when you sat with somebody if, if they're stopping taking in what you're saying and you pause and you stop and you offer comfort you might hold the hand you might none of that's possible and we have had to adjust at first we found it very difficult ourselves as practitioners who are used to being there with patients you know we found it difficult and we could come off of the phone sort of being upset and crying ourselves because we felt it was very inadequate and substandard the care we could give but obviously for the patients as well they have the fear of covid and then this added in and in fact treatments were stopped initially some chemotherapies and for a very short time thank goodness but some chemotherapies not other treatments not radical treatments that may cure but some palliative treatments that were just to control the disease were stopped because we thought that people's immune system, we know people's immune system drops with chemotherapy, and we thought that would mean they would catch COVID. So we weren't offering this for a short time. Now, thank goodness, we know that it actually doesn't make them any more vulnerable to COVID and they don't get any taller than anybody would normally. So that's not the case now, but there were a small cohort of patients who weren't offered treatment at that point. That was bad enough telling patients you've got cancer, but we can't treat you because, you know, that because of COVID, not because we were in a treatment for you. And that was very, very difficult. We weren't, wouldn't meet patients the whole way through their diagnosis and treatment. And sometimes the first time they met somebody was when they were with the treating team. So whether that were chemotherapy, the surgeons, and, and it's inadequate. It's not good enough. We have not liked it and it's not felt good enough care, to be honest with you. I mean, we, we have made changes and changes were made very quickly. We do virtual clinics over, it's called Attend Anywhere, so it's a bit like FaceTime where you can see somebody and that makes a difference. Again, I've got those non-verbals back. Um, We also, I did go back to clinics uh, face-to-face for people who particularly wanted that because some patients were scared to come in and it was their choice, they didn't want to. Uh, But then each time we go into a major lockdown again, they tend to stop again for a few weeks. And so it's very a very dynamic service at the minute we have to change it we also lost all our respiratory physicians so like dr smith for our, for us in bradford they went back to the they had obviously taken over by the ward work with covid patients and as, as a lung cancer nursing team we almost um did the whole i mean obviously the chest physicians were involved but we did the whole pathway we did clinics ourselves um and you know we had to basically do a lot more than we were doing which was fine but it changed very quickly didn't it, it changed very quickly overnight yeah it's been like you think sorry yeah i was just gonna say that um i think it's really important for us to be honest just like you've been now about how overwhelming and how difficult it's been for us and i really appreciate that you have been honest and said you know for us it feels like because we're so used to seeing patients because I felt like that as well um, and I still feel like that now I mean I am seeing patients 
but still doing kind of these um, appointments over the phone and on videos. And we're very much not used to it. Um, and yes, yeah. I'm really glad that we can still offer the services, but it does feel different seeing somebody face to face and then seeing them uh, 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 speaking to them on the phone or on video. It does feel really different. Tracy, um, any kind of last message you want to give out for our listeners before we before we end today? Uh, I suppose just to say, try not, and you know, don't let the fear put you off presenting to GPs. Or don't, you know, it may not be, genuinely may not be as bad as you think. And, you know, there is lots and lots of support for you, although it's slightly different at the minute. That support will always be there for you. We will be there for you, you know, at any point and any question you need to ask, any support you feel you need you will you know you will get that from us and from the other lung cancer nursing teams around certainly the region and, and the country so yeah just don't take that fear out if anybody's sat there now thinking oh, i better go honestly most people who go for a chest x-ray or to see the doctor it'll be nothing it'll be a chest infection it'll be just a little cough it could even be covid but it's, it's not necessarily going to be lung cancer and if it is we need to get on top of that. We need to get it diagnosed and treated and don't be so fearful of it because it's not always, you know, as scary as you think it might be. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you on behalf of me and behalf of Radio Sunday for taking some time out of your Sunday morning to come and speak to our listeners today. Um, I couldn't find the song that you asked for. I'm going to play you. Uh, Ed, <laughs> I'm going to play you Ed Sheeran thinking out loud instead because um, I think that. that's a nice song. Oh, so we've got that playing now. Thank you so much, Tracy, and I will catch up with you soon. I'm sure. Hope so. You take care. Thank you. Bye now. When your legs don't work like they used to before And I can't sweep you off of your feet Will your mouth still remember the taste of my love? Will your eyes still smile from your cheeks? Darling, I will be loving you Baby, my heart could still fall as hard at 23 And I'm thinking about how people fall in love in mysterious ways Maybe just the touch of a hand Well, me
don't play the strings the same way mm. I know you will still love me the same Cause honey, your soul could never grow into Radio Sangam 107.9 FM So my whole show today was on lung cancer if you missed it and you would like to listen back to it it will be available online on www.radiosangam.co.uk it will also be available shortly uh, as a as a podcast on Spotify and on iTunes we talked about lung cancer, we talked about the signs and symptoms of lung cancer, we talked a little bit about lung cancer support as well and I'm really grateful that I was joined by two fantastic people, Dr Peter Smith and Tracy Hiley who is a an advanced lung cancer specialist nurse. Thank you so much um, to both of you for being a brilliant guest today. I hope that some uh, people found that useful information. I guess the most important thing to say is that if you do have any worrying signs or symptoms at all, whatever it is, please, please, please book an appointment with your doctor and speak to them about it. I hope that you are finding my shows useful and people that tune in every week. I hope that you are learning something and it is making a difference. Um, 
and hopefully uh, I'm teaching you a little bit of something as well maybe you didn't know before if you want to suggest a topic for me um, I am on Instagram at doctor.doctor.henna and on Twitter henna anwar on Twitter please feel free to message me and suggest topics of the shows I end every show with a roomy quote and this week's roomy quote is the wound is the place where the light enters you i'm going to play out with a dedication to and and this dedication is to anybody that has lost a, a loved one through cancer i will be back next week until next week i wish you all peace and good health this is all satire 